Good morning, y'all. Thanks for joining and getting ready with with E. If this is your first time listening, I am E, and I am on a mission to help simplify the dialogue and rationalize the notion that even death requires planning. As a side note, this information is general in nature and is not to be construed as or a substitute for legal advice. Everybody on this planet has a different belief or theory on what happens after you pass away, but that's not what these passing dialogues are about. And to deviate just a little bit, um, I'm aware that there's a lot going on in the world, and a lot of those things really don't give you a reason to be hopeful. But I hope you get a chance to sit down and just think about the things that are in your control and the people who matter most to you. And if you focus on acting on the things and planning about planning the things that you can control and building meaningful relationships with the people who matter most to you, I hope that that'll make understanding and seeing all the things outside of your control a little bit easier to deal with. So um, I hope that helps a little bit. So um, without further ado, let's get back on topic and let's get into it. The uh, previous dialogues have talked about how to start the conversation um, from insurance to planning to a little bit of um, the, some of the steps that I've taken in my own journey for my arrangements. But today we're going to cover some of the components to help keep you informed and protected as you plan your own arrangements. But first, a little bit of history. Less than 150 years ago, it was completely normal to die in your home and your family would undertake all the responsibilities of your funeral, such as preparing the body, dressing the body, um, building or finding a carpenter to build a coffin or casket. Um, the home had a parlor where your wake and your funeral was held, and you were probably buried on the back 40, otherwise known as the backside of the family farm. In the late 1800s, things started to change. During the Civil War, it was customary to return fallen soldiers back to their families for a proper burial, but obviously this was before AC and air travel was common. So you could only imagine that the week or weeks long train journey to their homes left their bodies in a less than ideal state. Enters Dr. Thomas Holmes of the Army Medical Corps, who starts injecting chemicals into those soldiers to help slow decomposition. Thus, embalming reemerges, but in a way that is much less extravagant than the Egyptians. More and more surgeons started practicing embalming and prices start to skyrocket. And in 1865, in steps the government with General Order 39 which required all embalmers to obtain a special license to practice on deceased soldiers and establish a scale of prices by which embalmers are to be governed. This order represented the first major effort of the United States federal government to define and regulate professional requirements for undertakers. Now, there is a lot to know about funerals and cremations and embalming, and today we're only going to scratch the surface. Now, back to being buried on the back 40 and why that practice is not as common now. First, as 
people, they moved into the city, houses did not provide room for a wake. So in the older homes in more rural areas, they were all, those homes were built with a parlor, which is where they had the three-day wake and your funeral service. And, you know, the houses in the cities didn't provide space for that. Second, the cemetery was further from the home and required a region of processional. Now, obviously, cities had smaller lots and there were more zoning regulations and more traffic. And people were just being opted to not be buried on their small family lot in the neighborhood, but an actual cemetery. Third, more people were interested in embalming. This was in part due to the, to the death of President Abraham Lincoln. After his assassination, he had a two-week death processional from Washington, D.C. to Springfield, Illinois. He was embalmed at every stop or viewing to preserve his appearance, and most Americans had not seen an embalmed body prior to this. In 1882, the undertakers formed the National Funeral Directors Association, the NFDA, and a death care industry was born. Now, a lot has changed since the late 1800s, including air travel and refrigeration. But as with any industry that offers goods and services, the government intervenes to oversee and add some form of consumer protection. The death care industry was no exception. So the Federal Trade Commission created the funeral rule. The funeral rule went into effect on April 30th, 1984. The commission revised the rule in early 1994 and those revisions became effective later that year. This is a lot of info in history. So let's take a break with a chat with the collective me, AKA me, myself and I. Hey self. Yeah. When was the last time you went to a funeral? Do you recall some of the details? like the flowers, a portrait, a song, or even the casket. Have you ever gone casket shopping? Not specifically for you, but maybe a loved one or uh, helped in the planning or arranging. Okay, that was a heavy self-talk. And that's all we're gonna do about with that self-talk for now. So, here are some fun facts or just facts. Did you know that you do not have to buy your casket from the funeral home where your arrangements are made? You don't, and they cannot charge you an additional fee or surcharge for doing so. Is this news to you? Well, it's news to me. In fact, you can get your casket from Costco. Having the ability to purchase a casket from the vendor of your choice is protected through the FTC funeral rule. Did you also know there is no federal requirement for embalming. Funeral providers must get express permission to embalm. In fact, most states do not require embalming if the body is to be buried or cremated within a certain time frame of death. But outside of those provisions, refrigeration is usually sufficient to preserve their body until the final disposition. Now those time frames vary by state, and each state has a funeral commission of sorts that defines and enforces those rules. That's enough of that for now. However, um, we're gonna wrap this thing up. If you wanna learn more about the regulations in place, you can actually download and review the funeral rule um, from the FTC's website. The link will be on the description of this episode. Um, it looks like the last revision was in 2020.
Um, also, if you are ever in Houston, you should swing by the National Museum of Funeral History. Or you can tour it virtually by going to their website at https colon forward slash forward slash www.nmfh.org. I went there and it wasn't as gray and as gloomy as you'd think. Now, you probably won't leave there on Out 9, but you probably will leave there thinking that that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. And you'll learn a lot, too, in my humble opinion. This dialogue had a lot of heavy content, and I hope you gleaned something from it. And that's all for today. Y'all know we close these dialogues with that quote from Arthur Ashe. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can.